0: Father, we have been learning that we cannot rely on ourselves. Through this time of pandemic, we've realized even more our human frailty. But we praise you, that you are a God of mercy, who's not abandoned the human race. you've sent your son into the world so that we might know you through him and so we pray now that through your word we would come to know jesus better see what it means to live for him today in our lives we pray in jesus name amen now following the um, tragic uh, news of the death of chadwick boseman last week uh, we watched Black Panther for the first time in our house. Uh, if you've not seen it, it is a, a different kind of superhero movie, and it's a- absolutely worth watching, and it has interesting messages on a number of different levels. But in a, an early scene in the film, there's a, there's a challenge, there's a fight scene. Um, and uh, I'm going to try and get that up on the screen. I don't know whether that's going to... There it is. Uh, so, Umbaku. Um, challenges Prince T'Challa, who's played by Boseman, um, to the throne of Wakanda and the right to be called the next Black Panther. It's a classic superhero fight scene. We're cheering for T'Challa, but what's this? It looks like he's going to lose. And at one point, M'Baku looks at T'Challa through his rather intimidating mask that you can see there, and he hisses where is your God now? Now that's a sort of classic superhero movie trope, isn't it? Of course, what happens next? You know, spoiler alert, if you, if you can't see it coming, out of nowhere, T'Challa manages to overpower M'Baku against the odds. Just when you thought he was going to lose, he wins. And... Uh, Uh, this is a kind of plot twist that happens several times even just in that film and of course in many other films maybe even most films ever uh, uh, have made some kind of version of that plot twist as part of their story. You know it all looks bad for the hero but then they overcome. Now I'm trying to control this actually Joseph but it's not um, letting me do it. Oh maybe it is. There we go. We'll see if it... Okay, so um, here's the thing about that, though. Here's the thing about that that trope, that kind of, it looks like we're going to lose. They got this from Jesus. The shape of his life, the shape of his ministry, the shape of his kingdom is winning when it looked like he'd lost. It's strength in weakness, conquering through being conquered, living when he was dead. And yet, despite all the superheroes picking up this theme, despite all the books doing the same, a lot of people still struggle to get this about Jesus. I went for a walk with Moses, not, not you know, obviously the, the church caretaker, not the prophets in case that's not clear. We, we got talking to some Harry Krishna followers who we met on the heath. And uh, they were there quite a lot during lockdown. I don't know if you encountered them, if you were out there. And uh, we just started talking to these guys who, who were sort of singing and handing out literature. And, they, and this guy said to, said to us, so, so you're Christians? Well, well, tell me, I've never understood this. Why did they kill Jesus? You know, he was a prophet. He was a good man. He was a great teacher. Why did they kill him? I've never understood it, but as we tried to help him to understand He hit on the central thing about christianity look this is the point and it's the only thing that helps us make sense of those moments when it feels like the world is yelling at us where is your god now now it's a new start today in here it's a new start for some This week with new terms, new schools, maybe trying to get back into the office or whatever. But it's the the strangest new start uh, many of us have ever had, isn't it? Maybe despite the summer and the nice weather, actually, no, we're exhausted. We're bewildered, we're confused, numb, wondering where is God in all this? is it really worth being a christian does it help does it make any difference would it make any difference someone might ask if you're not there yet or maybe it just feels like christians are more and more on the back foot in the world you know subordinate to the whims of the government's latest thoughts on public gatherings or just that being public in any way about your faith at work or at school is just not realistic it's hard. You don't know where to start. You fear what might happen if you speak up. And of course, it's, it's like that just a little bit for us in London. Well, what is it like for a believer facing persecution in North Korea or South Sudan or northern Nigeria? The reading we heard from Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, starts with someone who might very well be feeling baffled and Bewildered. someone to whom people might very well have been saying where is your god now as he sat in chains in prison john the baptist was a, an eccentric figure he had an unusual taste in uh, clothing and uh, in his dietary habits do you want to get that next one up joseph just for a moment uh, he, he'd landed in prison because he'd preached uncomfortable truths to king herod and his wife herodias Herodias was both Herod's wife and his brother's wife. And John the Baptist had said to them, this is not how God has set up sex and relationships and marriage. And the thing was, it wasn't what Herod, the so-called king of the Jews, wanted to hear. So he put John in prison. So here is John at the beginning of chapter 11, kicking off these three chapters that we're going to be looking at this term, three chapters of Jesus unfiltered that's what we're calling this series because in these chapters we get to see him saying and doing extraordinary things that divide those who listen into those who listen eagerly and want to hear more and those who reject him and walk away you can put that down now joseph we're in the third main section of matthew's gospel you may be aware Matthew divides up the book into five main sections and in each uh, section you get some narrative some story of what Jesus did and then some teaching what Jesus said and Matthew gives us little markers like chapter 11 verse 1 after he'd finished instructing do you see that in chapter 11 verse 1 these little markers you get through the book they divide up the book into chunks But after two chapters of establishing who Jesus is in chapters 8 and 9, then in a big section of teaching in chapter 10, he sends out his followers. And we're ready for the next section, which begins now. And he's just said to them, go and tell people what you've seen in chapters 8 and 9. And it's as if chapter 11 is then beginning with the response, really? Really? But what, are we really going to do this? We're really going to go out and tell people about what, what we've seen Jesus doing? What about the opposition that we're going to face, inevitably? And that is where baffered and bewildered John the Baptist finds himself. And where the bewildered believer might find themselves today. Where is your God now? Why is life as a Christian, following him, telling others about him, why is it turning out to be so difficult and in these verses we hear Jesus unfiltered say two clear and uncompromising things that make us help us to make sense of life here and now in London if you want to get clear on what God is doing in the world and how it all fits together we see here look at what Jesus did verses 2 to 6 and listen to what God said beforehand, verses 7 to 15. So first, look at what Jesus did. Here is John the Baptist in prison. And he says, I don't get this. Are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Can you see why he might be so confused and asking that question? He's got this sense that, well, maybe, you know, from what I've heard, Jesus might be the Messiah, the promised one. But when he goes and reads his Hebrew Bible, he's only seeing the bits about the Messiah coming to rescue Israel from her enemies. He's only seeing what he wants to see. He's seeing that he wants the Messiah to come in judgment and sort everything out. That's what he's longing for. And you know, it makes sense, doesn't it? He's in prison. He's a victim of gross injustice at the hands of Herod, the Roman's puppet king. Who wouldn't want justice in that situation? And it's the same kind of thing people cry out today, isn't it? Why does it have to be so hard, God? Why aren't you sorting it out now if you're so powerful and the creator and sustainer of the universe? And so Jesus says to John's followers who've come with the message... Look at verse 4. He says, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. We don't need that yet, actually. Um, The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And there's a couple of things going on there. Jesus is summarising what we saw in chapters 8 and 9 last year, if you were here. Chapters 8 and 9 are the second main part of of Matthew's Gospel. Now, um, what what we see is him pointing back to what he said and did in those chapters. Just extraordinary things. Healing the sick, walking on water, raising the dead, calming a storm. What kind of man is this, they say, as they see these things. So, Jesus says, go and tell John what you've seen and what others have told you that they've seen, and uh, that will help him to understand who I am. But there's a little bit more to it, because Jesus is also alluding to two important passages in the book of Isaiah, which talk about the coming of the Messiah. So, we can have those up Joe, if you want to put that up, the next one. Um, just on the screen, we've got a couple of verses for us. So, Isaiah 35. Just compare what Isaiah, this is writing 800 years before Jesus, what he says about the coming one, what he's going to do. Verse 5. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened. Well, Matthew 11, verse 5. The blind receive sight. The, The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Well, verse six, the deaf hear, Matthew. We, we, Jesus says. The lame leap like a deer. Well, verse five in Matthew, the lame walk. But we go into the next one, just the bit before verse four. Do you notice what he says? He says, Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear your god will come he will come with vengeance with divine retribution he will come to save you so can you see what's going on isaiah 35 verse 4 is what john has in mind when he thinks of the messiah he's got that divine retribution vengeance bit in mind he's thinking that's what i need i'm in prison i need that and he's thinking therefore if you say you're the Messiah, well, why am I still suffering? Why am I still here in prison? And it's as if Jesus is saying back to him via his followers, the message back to him, don't just read the bits of the Bible that suit your personal agenda. Don't cherry pick, don't read out of context. You know, those things are still things we need to be careful about today, aren't they? Look at all of it, Jesus is saying, and see I am doing what Isaiah and the prophets said I would do. And then chapter 61 in Isaiah, if we go on to the next one. The Messiah there in chapter 61 is pictures as, as saying, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. And that's the Messiah word, anointed one, to preach the good news to the poor. And the poor in Isaiah are not merely the physically but those who are suffering in a world spoilt by sin. And Matthew makes the same point in the Beatitudes, chapter 5. Do you remember what he says? Famous verse, he says, um, uh, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So, Matthew, chapter 11, verse 5, Jesus is saying, Can you see, look, the good news is being preached to the poor not news of physical prosperity as if that will save you but news that there is a better future there is a new reality that centers on Jesus and gives you access to God's mercy see the issue with John the Baptist's truncated hope that he's, he just wants the judgment bit that's going to sort everything out and vindicate God's people But what becomes clear in the New Testament is that if you just long for judgment and justice and everything to be put right, there's a problem. Because when God's sword of judgment falls, it won't just fall on the Romans, and it won't just fall on the puppet king, and it won't just fall on the oppressors and the persecutors and the oppressors of the 21st century. It will fall on all of us, that sword of judgment. For the part we've played in spoiling God's good world with sin. Yes, judgment will come, but first hear about God's mercy. And so that's pictured then in this ministry that Jesus has had of healing the blind and the deaf and the lame and raising the dead. That is good news to those suffering in a fallen world, whether in prison or sidelined on the front line work or school or wherever it might be Jesus is saying don't miss what is happening judgment's going to come justice will come yes that that day will come and if you are if you are a suffering member of God's people you need to know that but for now there is a window of opportunity there is mercy right here right now for those who will consider the evidence go and look and see what Jesus has said and done And come to him. It was a window of opportunity for them. It's a window of opportunity for us now. We still get to share that good news of mercy, of good news to the poor in spirit, to the a broken world. It's a window of opportunity for the world around us. We might feel on the back foot. We might feel that you know, getting out of COVID in one piece is just the, you know the only goal we have. But Jesus says, no. Look at the evidence of who He is and what He's done, and lift your eyes to what is really going on. You know, if you're struggling with covid and the knock-on effects that it's having in the world around us well how much more is the world around us struggling with those things and maybe going to suffer even more in the months to come how much more does this world need to hear of a messiah in whom is new restored sickness free death defeating life Yes, God is going to come and he's going to sort out the mess but it's not going away yet. But that means the window of opportunity to share God's mercy before that judgment comes is here. So if you're struggling with assurance or if you're feeling far from God if you're wondering is it worth carrying on as a believer come back to who Jesus is and what he's done. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying to John, who's struggling with these things. Go and read chapters 8 and 9 again of Matthew and just see as it lays out. Look at the authority, look at the power of this Messiah Jesus. Look at how he can just calm a storm with a word. If you're feeling anxious, you need to know He is the one with all authority over everything that terrifies us. Look at his power over sickness. Just with a word, he can restore someone to full health. Look at his power over death. Now, don't say, oh, well, you know, there is no God, so this could not possibly have happened. That's a very poor circular argument, isn't it? If there is a God, is this not exactly what might have happened? does this not begin then to make far more sense of the messed up world that we live in and the you know what's the alternative the alternative is it's all utterly random utterly meaningless and utterly bleak no hope at all even if we get out of covid no real hope at all well blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me says jesus go back to him go and look at who he is and what he's done but then he, he, he continues. So second big thing to see in these verses, from verses 7 to 15, listen to what God said beforehand. We've seen, look at what Jesus did, now listen to what to God said beforehand. Now Jesus is talking not to John's followers, but to the crowd who've been listening. Have you got this, he says. Can you puzzle out what's been going on? You, you've all been out in the desert to hear John the Baptist preach, So, think about him, Jesus says. Was he a reed swaying in the wind? Verse 7. Can you see that? In other words, was he just a guy who would say whatever he thought his audience wanted to hear? That's what that picture makes you think of. You know, but just whichever way the wind is blowing, I'll go with that. Like, you know, like some politician who's already on their third U turn of the week because they're so desperate to keep up with public opinion. No, John the Baptist wasn't like that. He was the opposite of that, with his camel hair shirt and his locust diet and his uncompromising message to King Herod. So, okay, it wasn't that. Was it then someone dressed in fine clothes? And what would that imply? That would imply that he was sort of in the pay of a rich patron. You know, just just a sort of puppet. Uh, People, the, the rich backer behind the scenes, manipulating things. No, no, you wouldn't have found him out in the desert if he was like that. You'd have found him in the palace. And note, actually, that is where John is now, but he's not dressed in fine clothing, putting his feet up. He's in the dungeon in the king's palace. That's not the kind of guy John is. You see, he's not in the pay of the crowd, and he's not in the pay of some patron or secretive backer. He's his own man. He's God's man. He's a prophet. Now, why does this matter? It matters because who he is is bound up with who Jesus is. That's why we need to, to understand this and, and, and see what Jesus is saying. So look at see what he says. Verse 10, he, um, John was searching for the one to come. And we heard uh, Roger read for us in, in Malachi in the first reading about the, that was the prophecy of the one to come before the return of the Lord, the one to prepare the way. And Jesus is saying, actually, they, they, the people had read that and thought that the one who was going to come and prepare the way would be the Messiah and then God would come. But that, and Jesus is saying, no, you, actually, you've misunderstood this. That was John. Verses 14 and 15, the prophets talked about Elijah coming again and then God would return and the, the sort of Elijah figure would be the Messiah. No, actually John's doing the preparation work which makes me, Jesus, the Lord himself appearing now here on earth. Do you see? It's kind of fast forwarding the script. The thing that you thought would happen only at the end of history when God would finally sort of show up and sort things out. No, that's that's beginning now in the middle of history. John has done the preparation work, he's the final prophet, and he's the final sort of signpost for that. But all of history up to this point has been pointing to me, Jesus is saying. So he doesn't just pop out, in, out of nowhere in history. He comes in fulfilment of all God has previously said. So again, to the sceptic, to the doubtful, to the one struggling, to the one wondering where God is and what he's doing, Jesus says, look at the evidence. Look at what I did 2,000 years ago, chapters 8 and 9. But also, look at how I came in fulfilment of all that had been said and done previously, which is recorded in God's word. So listen to what God says. See, Jesus is the final crowning piece of the jigsaw. So put the next slide up joe if you're trying to finish a jigsaw and you've lost that final piece you know maybe you're doing a jigsaw of the nativity scene randomly and the final piece that's missing is the baby in the manger and the whole thing if you look at it it doesn't quite work does it it's missing the the, the, the thing that matters at the heart of it everyone's sort of looking at nothing and it's, it doesn't work, it's puzzling, it's frustrating and you're thinking, where have I put that? When you find that final piece and it's under the table uh, you've got it kicked out of the way and you don't just know it's the right piece because of what it has on it. If you go to the next one, Joe, you know, there's the baby on the little piece. You know it's the right piece because it fits in the jigsaw that you've done. It fits where it's supposed to. See, do you see that? This is so important for giving us confidence that Jesus really is who he says he is and that we can trust him today with the mess that we find ourselves in. Look at what he did 2,000 years ago, but look at how he came and he is the final piece in the jigsaw. He didn't just randomly turn up one day and start doing miracles. He came in fulfilment of all that came before and that gives us confidence that he really is who he says he is. Do you see So take heart. Verse 11. John the Baptist is the greatest prophet, but he's still just a prophet. Anyone who comes into the kingdom simply by believing in Jesus is greater than him, says Jesus. The window of opportunity is open. Come to him now. Bring others to him now. Verse 12. It's going to be hard. Expect violent rejection. That's how it's always been. You see, it's not that the prison door will miraculously open. It's not that the coronavirus will go away overnight. It's not that illnesses will always be healed and death always postponed here and now. It's not that Christians will live a carefree life free from persecution and attack. And we need to, we need to understand that. We need to not have the wrong expectations. But we need to see, you know, Jesus came and did those things 2,000 years ago in fulfilment of what was promised as a sign of what is to come in the new heavens and the new earth. And as a sign of what is available to those who trust in him to know that there is real hope for the future, that there is a real perfect world to come with him at the heart of it. And there's a window of opportunity now to come to him and trust him and be ready for that day when God comes in the end and Jesus returns to sort everything once and for all. So come to him today. That's the message, do you see? Where is your God now? Well, he's holding the door open to the kingdom. Come and be part of it and live it while the opportunity is still here. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words these challenging words and whether we're anxious whether we are confused bewildered baffled longing for a resolution to difficult times may we come afresh to jesus may we go and see what he did the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. And may we then come in this window of opportunity to trust him for ourselves and to then invite others to do the same. Amen.